Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Hello, welcome to today's episode, which is all about the importance of recovery. So we're going to be talking about what makes up active and passive recovery, as well as sharing with you some nutritional and lifestyle strategies, which will help optimize recovery and performance. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance and especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back everyone. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen again. And before we start to discuss our topic today, which is focusing on the importance of recovery, so recovery for running performance, uh, we're going to share something personal with you about our nutrition or our running. So Karen, um, staying on the theme of recovery from running, my question for you today is, uh, what are your top three strategies um, that you put in place which help you support um, your recovery from training? Hi, everybody. Hi, Aileen. I think that's a really great question, actually. And I think I probably have more things in place now to support recovery besides what I used to. And now I I do actively think about my recovery, whereas when I was younger, really, it was all about the training and the recovery was just something that would happen or not, maybe on occasions. So I would say that the top three things that I have put in place now are that I consciously think about my food intake pre, during and post training because I know what I eat or don't eat at each of these times will either support or hinder my recovery from training. I always have one complete rest day from training per week and that's something that's fairly new and something that's even uh, more recent is that I stretch after any type of running now, whether that be any type of training, whether it be running, the gym, swimming, whatever it may be, I will stretch. It might not be for very long, but I do take the time to stretch. So how about you, Aileen? How do you manage your recovery from training? Do, Do you have a top three approaches to your recovery um yeah I I do and I think like you it's sort of developed as I've I've got older (laughs) which is a shame Mm -hmm. we didn't get more 
campaigns, but it's uh, it's important that we do it. So my first one would be um, that I'm really quite diligent about thinking about active recovery in between running sessions. So um, I regularly do Pilates three to four times a week. Um, that's just part of my schedule. And I think it really helps me stretch out my muscles, particularly the ones that may have tightened up during longer runs. Um, and also, again, you know, something that I'm much more focused on now than I was a few years ago is eating for recovery, um, especially taking on that quick release carbohydrate snack within the 30 minute window after a run to help replenish glycogen stores. So that's something I wouldn't have done in the past. Um, and like you, you know, I'm trying to use my foam roller every day. I'm maybe not quite as good as you are on that but um you know it does help and when I do it I always think well, I don't know why I don't do this more often um and then an easy one uh which I am very good at doing funnily enough is that I like to have um a nice soak in the bath after a, a long run and I make sure there's lots of magnesium salts in it and I think that does help my recovery too so uh, mm. yeah three for the price uh, four for the price of three there Karen Yes, absolutely. Well done, Aileen. And yes, I agree with that. I think having a magnesium salt bath is a really good recovery strategy. And I have to say, after my really long runs, it is something that I do as well. So we're on the same wavelength there, which we are in most things really early. We are. We are. We try to be anyway, don't we? Yes. Okay, so let's move on and introduce our topic today, uh, which we've already mentioned is all about the importance of recovery in enhancing running performance. So Karen, you mentioned um, earlier that, that recovery is not an area that you give much focus to, or you didn't give much focus to in you know, the, the earlier years of your, your running career. Um, and I think that's true for, for many runners because the emphasis tends to be on training and what will make you faster, fitter, stronger, and also um, support body composition. And that obviously all of these things are going to lead to enhanced uh, running performance. But I think in recent years, it's really become much more recognized that appropriate recovery is as important as appropriate training in supporting running performance and, and that goes for all runners whether they're professional runners or recreational runners as you know I imagine I mean, the majority of our listeners are um, so what we're going to do today is outline why recovery is important in, in supporting running performance we're going to look into nutritional strategies to support optimal recovery from run training and we're also going to outline some lifestyle strategies to support recovery from run training. Um, so, you know, three main areas to to look at today. So, Karen, would you uh, maybe begin? Um, we always like to define what we're talking about. So could you give us a, a definition of recovery and tell us why it's thought to be as important as training in achieving peak running performance? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So, so thinking about that first question, you know, the, the definition of recovery, there was a study written in 2017, and it was looking at the cardiovascular system and exercise. And it defines recovery as the time period between the end of a bite of exercise and the subsequent return to a resting or a recovered state. So they go on to say that it is recovery, um, 
refers to sort of specific physiological processes or states occurring after exercise that are distinct from the physiology of either the exercising or the rested state. So it's that state in between the exercise and the actual rest state. But there was an earlier study um, completed in 2015, and it was titled um, Recovery from Exercise, Vulnerable State, Window of Opportunity, or Crystal Ball, Ball rather. And it suggests that precisely defining recovery from exercise is really challenging. It's, it's a really challenging task, and that's due to the various meanings of recovery. So they go on to suggest that recovery could potentially refer to a distinct time frame. So that's ranging from minutes, for example, the return of the heart rate to near resting levels, to weeks, um, for example, that restoration of that full muscle capacity after, um, after exercise that's caused muscle damage. Now, additionally, it's, it says these time frames could vary depending on the individual athlete. So, for example, trained runners um, would potentially require a different recovery time than beginner runners, and runners with certain chronic disease may need more recovery time re relative to healthy runners. So, as always, it's very individual. And their, their uh, second definition of um, recovery and how it's, it's quite challenging to, to determine it fully is because it could be seen as an end point. So there's the distinct time frame, but it's also looking at it from an end point. So, for example, um, recovery is when you have reached a state of recovery after a bite of exercise. So it could be that an athlete has recovered from prior training and is physiology physiologically ready for additional training stress or maybe thinking about an injured athlete and he has now fully recovered and can return to running so it's that end stage you were injured the injury is it has been healed so you're now ready to return to to training therefore recovery has happened so they do discuss others but these were the two key ones so i'm not going to delve into the other um potential um suggestions that they had here okay karen so i think what you, you're saying is that recovery from exercise may be approached using either a, a time-specific frame being set between bouts of exercise, and this frame may vary uh, between athletes. Um, and also, you might want to think about an end point, so a physiological reset and a physiological rebalancing, showing that the athlete is ready to return to exercise. Yeah, exactly, Aileen. And and because I think it's it's important to remember that during exercise, there are many physiological changes occurring. So the recovery period allows for these changes to reset. So either going back to pre-exercise state or moving to that adapted state. And, you know, as we've spoken about and we know, um, positive training adaptations do support running performance. So that is the that's the theory behind the recovery okay karen so what you've you've just mentioned is that recovery is important for positive training adaptations um for what other reasons would a, a runner want to ensure that they were getting optimal recovery yeah like you say Aileen, positive training up adaptations really is one of the most important effects obtained through um optimal recovery and again that those 
that that positive training adaptation is going to lead to enhanced running performance, which is the the overall, uh, the overarching um, result that an athlete's going to want. So, but also including optimal recovery, so that optimal recovery period, whatever that may be for the individual during training, is also known to help prevent um, things like under recovery so that really speaks for itself so you want that that um, recovery period so you are fully recovered before training again it can also help prevent overtraining syndrome and that's something that we have discussed in uh, in a previous episode but just to put it simply means um, inadequate recovery after endurance or intense training which leads to fatigue declining performance and potentially injury and illness and again that that optimal recovery will help or could help prevent injury and illness generally without it um, being linked to full-blown overtraining syndrome so these are all other reasons that um, that optimal recovery is really important now what what is important to mention here is that post-exercise symptoms including the likes of DOM so the delayed onset muscle soreness, inflammation, various metabolic res responses as well. For example, that glycogen resynthesis, so that stored in, in energy re resynthesis plus muscle repair and also fatigue are part of the recovery process and are, as a result, the important contributors to training adaptation. Therefore, it is important to have sufficient recovery for these reactions to occur, but then to reset. So that physiological reset and rebalancing that I mentioned earlier, and, and also the time re required for this again, will be different for everybody. So, um, so I think we always associate the likes of DOMS and inflammation and fatigue and things as something um, detrimental to training but it is a normal reaction but it needs the recovery time to rebalance to reset again to get that homeostasis back before the you that you then carry on training that's a really good point karen to point out that it is a natural process and we should be experiencing some of it um, as long as it's not too um too difficult for us to experience. So in a nutshell, um, optimal recovery really needs to include a few different things. So rest, regeneration, resynthesis, reduction of inflammation, and a restoration of balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. All the R's, Alien, and just adding to those R's um, within that, you would include refueling, so through your new nutrition, and also rehydration, um, both of which we talk about um, a lot and we will talk about later, I'm sure. So it's it's all about the seven R's for recovery, really. It is. I always like a little... Um... A little saying a lot it reminds you of what the, the the r's might be um so before we we move on to discuss nutrition for recovery um i just wanted to mention the two recognized types of recovery so there's active recovery and passive recovery so actually karen i think that makes it nine r's what do you yes think? yes absolutely we could say that there are nine r's yeah, yeah. So um, with active recovery, um, it's thought that the best type of rest is um, to include on a regular basis following intense or prolonged training. And it involves 
moving in some way, but at much lower intensity. So that can range from light, low intensity exercise, such as cycling or maybe hiking or mobility work like foam rolling or gentle restorative yoga. It might also include swimming or maybe some slow, lightweight strength training to stimulate the heart rate, but not causing any stress on the body. And, and it's thought that this type of recovery uh, will help reduce inflammation and stiffness. It also will help increase blood flow, mobility and flexibility, and may also help the body clear any lactic acid buildup from intense and prolonged training. So that's a, a little bit about active recovery. Yeah, and I think that's a really good introduction to active recovery, whereas looking at passive recovery, it on the other hand is when you have a total rest day. And um, so no exercise, nada, nothing. So um, this type of recovery, I think, is really important when you're injured or maybe you've got an illness um, or maybe somebody is starting to show signs of that non-functional overreaching or um, overtraining syndrome. So just thinking about that non-functional overreaching, some signs to be uh, looking out for include decreased running performance, poor concentration, poor sleep as well. And, and there are other symptoms alongside that. So definitely a time to be introducing that passive recovery to help prevent potentially a deterioration into overtraining syndrome where you know that there's the likes of illness and injury and also psychological issues become much more prevalent and will need a, a, a longer period of time to recover so it's about nipping it in the bud by introducing that recovery and passive recovery is also important to introduce and um, really when your body is telling you it needs it so it's important to listen to your body, try to begin to become attuned to what it's telling you. And this may be a time I'm thinking that you could include something like a massage, ideally a relaxing massage, I would say, but a sports, a sports massage could help um, or support that recovery if it's say an injury that is an issue so um so so passive recovery is a completely different type of recovery yeah vitally important and one that people find difficult to actually put into place um yeah so what karen just thinking about um female factors is there anything that we should be considering regarding recovery from from run training yeah, well, as always, Aileen, there is limited information on this subject. But what I did find from the research papers I was reading, um, they were saying that women do appear to experience slower recovery rate, uh, rates in that latter phase of their monthly cycle when compared with training recovery during the first half the, of their monthly cycle. So if people just feel that their performance is slightly um um, less, what's the word? I'm, I'm saying passive, I'm doing a double passive there. Um, so, so if they're finding that their um, recovery is more limited in the, the second stage of the monthly cycle, it, it might be due to that hormone changes. Also, in a New Zealand study, they were comparing recovery from training in women experiencing a natural cycle with women taking the oral contraceptive pill. Now, they evaluated data from 
over 4,500 women over multiple cycles. And um, they observed a different response pattern um, among women who were naturally cycling, women on progestin-only contraceptive pill, and then women on the combination pills of that estrogen and progestin. Now, they determined there that women who took the combination contraception experienced the most pronounced reduction in recovery from training load, followed by women taking the progestin-only medications, whereas women who had a natural cycle were shown to have the most efficient recovery from training. So that, I thought, was an interesting point. And the only other interesting fact that I found was that it has been found that women may recover from training faster than their male counterparts and experience less fatigue. So maybe it's the fact that they they experience less fatigue that they recover more efficiently than, than men. So, um, so those were the key key factors that I managed to find. Oh, some interesting observations there really for, for women to think about. So just before I go on to recap, I'm going to break off the topic completely because I don't know whether anybody can hear a sort of a beeping noise in the background. Can you hear it, Karen? You noticed it? Yes, I have. Let me just see if it's well, something... Well, what I think it is because I think it's at my end and I apologize to everybody listening but I'm where I'm recording from today there's a smoke alarm in the room and I think it's beeping to tell me that the battery needs changing Um, so I'm really hoping that we can get to the end of the hour without the alarm going off Um, but I'm going to keep going (laughs) I just wanted to explain in case people are listening thinking what on earth is that beeping Um, yes Absolutely. And if it's not that alien, maybe it's my dishwasher because I switched it off for the recording. So it might be one or the other. Okay. Well, let's see. Yes. Sorry about the uh, housekeeping issues there, everybody. Um, So let's move on. So just to to recap on uh, what we've discussed so far, um, we've talked about recovery being the time period between one bout of exercise and another and how it's key for optimising physiological adaptations to training and it's also crucial in preventing a runner developing non-functional overreaching or overtraining syndrome and we've also talked about two types of recovery uh, passive and active recovery Um, and really what we're saying is both are pretty important to include in in your training program Um, so our next question to consider is some nutritional strategies to support optimal recovery from run training. Um, So I think the big point to make here is that recovery actually begins before you start running. And what I mean by that is everything you you do on a day-to-day basis uh, from a lifestyle and a nutritional point of view, everything you eat and drink before during as well as after you run will will determine how efficiently you recover from each uh, training session. And, you know, we talk a lot about foundations. um, And as you know, um, if you've been following us for a while, that we, we often talk about carbohydrates and hydration being limiting factors in athletic performance. And so therefore they're they're really essential components of recovery nutrition, uh, as well as uh, pre and during and post-training protocols. Um, Now those two elements, you know, the carbohydrates and and hydration are probably the two most research areas in sports nutrition. 
um, particularly for endurance uh, runners. However, the, there are many other nutrition um, nutritional aspects that are important for optimal recovery, uh, and they would include protein, antioxidants, probiotics, essential fats, um, key vitamins like A, D, and E, and iron and calcium. So there's there's lots of elements that contribute to um, optimal recovery. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. There really are so many nutrients that are required to achieve that optimal recovery. So what I thought we could maybe do is choose two or three to discuss here. Now, I don't really want to dwell too much on carbohydrates and hydration because we have discussed those, like you say, in many episodes. They're the most researched um, areas um, and episodes that we've uh, included those in are episode five, looking at hydration and running performance and also episode 46 does dehydration impair performance and then with carbohydrate intake we have discussed them in quite a lot of detail in many um, uh, episodes but especially episode 34 to 36 where we look at food for that pre during and post training and one episode is dedicated to each of those areas but what I would just like to say here really is that um, you know, studies have shown that consuming carbohydrates at a rate of eight to ten kilograms, eight to ten grams, not kilograms, gosh, eight to ten grams per kilogram of body weight per day after exercise could restore glycogen to pre-exercise levels within 24 hours. So, for example, a runner weighing around 60 kilograms eating eight grams per kilogram of body weight over the following 24 hours, we'd need to consume 480 grams of carbohydrate during that time, starting after the exercise. And this is assuming that no further exercise is being carried out during that time. Now, for some people, this might seem like a substantial amount of carbohydrates to consume. And I know that's something historically alien that you have struggled with. Now, in these situations, studies do suggest the addition of caffeine or protein when consuming the carbohydrates because they are both known to boost glycogen repletion. And then thinking about um, hydration before we move on, all I would say here is that um, following endurance exercise, it is recommended that fluids be replaced by 150%. Um, so ideally, you would assess the amount that you've lost during training through measuring your body weight before you train and after you train, but this might not always be practical. But the aim is to try and replenish by 150% of um, fluids. But just remember that more fluids will be retained through the addition of sodium. So just trying to maintain um, as much as you can in the body. Um, and that will also help to rebalance the electrolytes, especially if this is following really hot training or really long training, and if you're a high high if you have a high sweat rate. So just bearing that in mind. Great, thanks for that, Karen. So let's uh, look at a couple of the other nutrients that you mentioned. And um, I think it'd be a good idea to start with protein. Um, so again, this is a nutrient we've discussed in several episodes, uh, including episode 66, where we talk about protein powders and, and do runners need them. And 
that we've got many episodes where we discuss uh, muscle and soft tissue injury because protein is, is really important for the repair of muscle and soft tissue. Um, uh, but also what I was thinking we could do is just talk a little bit about how important protein is in recovery from training. And it's really important here because of muscle protein synthesis. And remember that running, especially endurance running, is known to induce a catabolic state. So actually it's it's breaking down muscle protein. So muscle protein synthesis is upregulated for 24 hours following exercise. So including protein during this time would really help maintain muscle mass and enhance recovery too. Yeah, exactly. And also uh, thinking about your protein intake, the timing of the protein intake and the amount eaten is also thought to be important for recovery from endurance running. And recommendations are that you have between 0.25 to 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight of a quality protein source and consuming that within not to two hours post-exercise. Now, if a quality protein source is chosen, so for example, lean meat or chicken, maybe a whey protein powder or soy-based products or a soy-based protein powder as well, then that will give you or provide approximately 10 grams of the essential amino acids. And that is thought to be the amount that um, will maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So again, that timing and the amount that you have is, is really important, especially that first two hours post-exercise. But outside of this, that initial two-hour window, it is recommended that protein is consumed at levels between 1.2 grams to 2 grams um, per kilogram of body weight per day with an intake of approximately um, 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight every three to five hours. So really that's looking at having that amount at every meal and snack time. And if you distribute it in that way over a period, um, over the 24 hour period or the 12 12 hour period that you, you um, eat within or 10 hours with, that you eat within, then that will really optimize that muscle protein synthesis stimulation. So, um, so something else to think about there. Yeah, yeah another, another good, uh, some good tips there about um, increasing your protein mm -hmm. at, at the times you need to. Um, as well as your overall intake. So uh, good advice there, Karen. So now let's take a look at probiotics, um, which you wouldn't necessarily think would be something that would help with recovery, but let's have a quick look at them. And we have actually dedicated an episode to um, probiotics. It was episode 78, and we, we looked at um, a spotlight on probiotics for performance. But regarding their role in recovery, um, there was a study carried out on triathletes which suggested that probiotics in supplemental form um, had a number of um, um, helpful uh, influences. So um, they discovered that um, it, they improved maximal power uh, and fatigue index. There was also improved indicators of endurance ability and they maintained aerobic performance um, during the recovery period following a triathlon race. And that was compared to a placebo group. Um, the placebo group reached 
exhaustion significantly sooner during the, the recovery period. Now, in this study, uh, the supplementation was of Lactobacillus planetarium, uh, PS128, and that was given to half of the group for three weeks before the triathlon rate. Uh, and the recovery markers were observed at 48 hours and 72 hours after the, re after the race. Um, so that was quite a little study. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Like you say, Aileen, we don't really associate probiotics very much with performance, do we? But but they can um, directly or indirectly have quite significant effects potentially. And these positive outcomes, um, looking at the study, were thought to be due to the a probiotic's ability to increase that antioxidant capacity, so being able to protect the, the cells from damage. Also, um, they were able to reduce the levels of oxidated molecules, so in other words, the free radicals that we've spoken about um, in the past, which cause cell damage. They also are able to decrease uh, myeloperoxidase, which um, is known to cause tissue damage and increase thyroidoxin activity, which is a protein that has um, antioxidant um, capabilities. So, um, so really it's about supporting the immune system. And by doing that indirectly, it's supporting, um, supporting performance and supporting recovery. Um, so really this suggests that the overall benefits, like I say, um, are, were due to that reduced exercise-induced oxidative stress, so that inflammation, so reducing those levels. And, you know, the oxidative stress does occur as a result, natural um, uh, occurrence as a result of the various metabolic processes that take place during exercise. Now, it has to be said that this is just one study that we're discussing here, although others have suggested similar outcomes, but as always, there are some studies really that have announced that they have found no effects of probiotics on the inflammatory markers, um, including oxidative stress, when looking at um, exercise performance. So just a, a, a note to put in there. So just to round up, again, what we've spoken about um, so far, you know, we've highlighted the importance of certain nutrients as well as hydration in promoting optimal recovery from training. But I have to say that the nutrients that we've mentioned are not exhaustive. exhaustive. There are many more that are important in limiting inflammation and reducing oxidative stress induced by exercise, as well as supporting that efficient recovery in other ways, either directly or indirectly. So maybe we will cover some of these other nutrients in another episode in the future. There's always so much information we can, all, we can only include so much per episode. But anyway, before we move on to think about some lifestyle strategies um, to put in place, let's have a quick advert break. So Aileen, I'll hand over to you. Okay, thanks, Karen. Um, so this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I just take a, a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the outside of the podcast. Um, food for recovery is something we often get asked about uh, alongside questions about what to eat pre, during and after 
a training run or a race. And as we said earlier, recovery begins before you start running. Um, so what you eat pre, during and post training will affect how you recover from training. And if you get this right, um, you will be fitter, faster and stronger and you will recover quickly, ready for your next run. Um, so some of you might already know that we designed a free nutrition guide uh, to run as a companion alongside our episodes. Um, and it's called Top running snacks and nutrient timing and it's a pdf ebook and it lists our suggestions of what and when to eat pre during and post running um, and it's really there just as a reminder because we talk about these principles all the time and it, it's helpful if you've got that um, physical uh, something to read to remind you rather than just listening to the podcast and We've had over a thousand runners download our guide so far and we've had great feedback. Um, we think the guide will give you quick reference so you can quickly put our suggestions into action next time you go out for a run. Um, so if you'd like a copy of the free nutrition guide, all you need to do is visit our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Uh, look at the top menu bar for free nutrition guide. Um, there's a drop down menu. There's a couple of free guides there. Find uh, the one about the top running snacks and pop in your email and we'll send you the free guide. Um, by all means, if you've downloaded it before and, you've, and you can't find it, just uh, request it again and uh, it'll get sent over to you. Um, and we really hope it helps you. And uh, do let us know how you get on and if you've got any uh, particular questions about um, your your own situation uh, drop us an email and um, you know we'd love to uh, get feedback and, and help you out absolutely yes like you say and we do love to get uh, feedback and to hear your your personal stories so do get in touch so thanks for that Aileen so now let's uh, look at some lifestyle ideas to support optimal recovery so earlier we talked about rest being part of recovery and, and I have to say I do believe that both rest and sleep should be priorities alongside nutrition in attaining and maintaining optimal recovery so you know we discuss passive recovery which involves having a complete rest day and that's something really that we would recommend for everyone even if you're not injured or ill or overreaching we we just feel that it is potentially a good preventative measure and um, and really could help maintain running motivation as well in the long term so um so rest sleep is going to support uh, recovery i believe yeah, I totally agree with you there, Karen. And um, just something that um, I would like to add here. Um, if you're not ill or injured or tired, you could consider doing some activity, but nothing too strenuous and just choose low impact with very physical demand. Um, so in other words, active recovery. So things like gentle swimming, strolling, uh, yoga or Pilates, gentle cycling. Um, you know, often people just swap one hard endurance thing for another so you know life doesn't have to be a competition you can actually um you know do things that are much more gentle which will still be supportive and as we've said earlier you know it's really important to listen to your body and if you need a day of complete rest then introduce it and, and we would really suggest that you get into get it into a habit of it being every week so um you, you practice it like everything else uh, and Karen as you said at the beginning um, you have one day of complete rest per week and would you say that you also include some active recovery 
Yeah, actually, Aileen, I do. Um, I would say Wednesday tends to be my complete rest day. And then on a Saturday, I will include active recovery. So, for example, I tend to either go for a swim or I'll go cycling. I might also swim on a day when I'm I'm only doing strength training because I only do strength training for what half an hour 45 minutes at the most so I would maybe add in a gentle swim on that day as well but my active recovery does tend to be on a Saturday and it's either cycling or swimming how about you Aileen you mentioned earlier about Pilates being your um, part of your recovery um, process do you include both passive and active recovery in your weekly training schedule yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I usually have one day a week with no planned exercise or training um, or even passive recovery. So it's a day where I don't plan anything and, and it, you know, things might happen, but it's much more on a leisure basis. And it does vary from week to week. Um, sometimes I don't book anything in because I know that I'm going to be socialising on a particular day um, or I'll plan a rest day following either a long run or a hike which tends to be a, a Monday because the Sunday is a day where you know I take the opportunity to do something a bit more arduous um, and I think as I said earlier it's one of the hardest things for runners to do for themselves um, allowing themselves to have a rest day giving themselves permission to have a rest day but I, I really think it's vital um, so Taryn you, you mentioned sleep being a priority so I think let's have a quick look at sleep now um, and regarding recovery from training you know we know sleep is essential for a runner's physical and mental recovery because training especially intense or prolonged training really places a high uh, physiological and psychological demand on a runner so sleep is well known to be a recovery process and the circadian rhythm regulates feelings of sleepiness and, and wakefulness uh, throughout the day uh, and we also know that adequate and restorative sleep will support the immune system the endocrine system and also the recovery of the nervous system uh, and all of that could impact on a re runner's recovery um, as well as their uh, athletic performance yeah so really if adequate sleep isn't um, attained and maintained then the potential for inflammation illness and hormone imbalances is is there that may ensue now potential hormone imbalances include an increase in, in the catabolic hormones and a reduction in the anabolic hormones so again we we're speaking about catabolism earlier where it breaks down muscle and anabolism builds up muscle so if you've got an imbalance in these hormones, it could be that um, muscle protein synthesis during recovery from training is minimized. So uh, really the moral of the story is to get to bed and to aim to try and get seven and a half to eight hours sleep per night and really aiming to try and do this consistently. So on a nightly basis, but you know, that doesn't always work in practice. So if you do find you have a few nights of poor sleep, then maybe thinking about reducing your training or including a complete rest day and, and, and also maybe considering having a nap 
um, may help to support that recovery process so that you can get back to training um, efficiently. Now, there is quite a lot of research out there to suggest that um, napping is good um, as long as it's not for too long. So maybe between 10 and 30 minutes um, so that you're not going into that really deep sleep, but um, the body and the brain is rested. Yeah, that sounds uh, really important. I think um, the other um, approaches that um, I, I, I include um, would be to think about having a, a massage. So I have tend to have a sports massage every month when I'm in training for a race, um, mainly because it helps it, I think it helps with recovery, but mostly I feel it reduces my risk of injury. And um, I have to say, I do enjoy a relaxing massage too, because sometimes the sports massages are a bit of an endurance, um, even though they give me good results. Uh, mm. So I think it's restorative both physically and psychologically. Um, and I think another thing to consider is cooling down after every training session. Um, so I've, I've started uh, not running right up to the front door. So I'll, I'll stop running and I'll walk or I'll slow my running down. And that just helps um, improve the, the removal of lactate buildup from the muscle. And it also stimulates blood flow and the signaling proteins to initiate training adaptation, uh, particularly when healing is required. Um, so is there anything else that you would add here, Karen? Yes, like you were saying, Aileen, cool down, cooling down after every training session, I think, is really important. And also stretching after every training session, like I was saying, I've just started to introduce that in sort of recent months or so. And that can really help reduce soreness and therefore support that efficient recovery, allowing you to introduce your next training session maybe more quickly and also without um, the symptoms of DOMS or any niggles that might, if not stretched out, um, develop into injury. So it can actually be a really good preventative measure. But also, like you mentioned earlier as well, Aileen, foam rolling regularly. And that, again, could help to reduce soreness and help prevent injury um, occurring. Now, it is something um, that I've started doing as well. And I try and do it approximately three times a week. And I have to say, I really feel the benefits from it, especially regarding tightness in my IT bands and in my calves. So and clearly that has an indirect positive effect on other muscles and tendons um, and ligaments in the body. So uh, I do think foam roll, all of these actually are really important aspects of, of your recovery regime. Yeah, I think that's a really good, um, a good couple of tips to um, round up on there, Karen. And uh, just to say to anybody, if you don't have a foam roller and you're thinking about buying one, um, we um, we have an offer with a company called MyMeglio and they are listed on our website. So if you look at the website and look at the shop menu and check out Rest and Recovery uh, products, our favorite, favorite Rest and Recovery products, and you'll find uh, Meglio there. And, and they offer all sorts of um, pieces of equipment that will help with uh, recovery and restoration, including uh, foam rollers. And they have a special offer there for you too. So um, we'll, you'll find that on our website and I'll, I'll add that to the, the show notes later on. Um, but Karen, I think we're going to have to draw uh, this episode to a close now. And um, 
hopefully everybody's feeling uh, much more informed about the importance of recovery and training and how nutrition and lifestyle strategies uh, will help support optimal and efficient recovery from run training. Um, but just before we go, Karen, would you round up with your key takeaways from today's episode? Sure, Aileen. So really, simply put, recovery is that time period between the end of a bout of exercise and the subsequent return to a resting or recovered state. Now, the time it takes to recover will vary between um, individuals. Now, positive training adaptations are seen as one of the most important effects obtained through that optimal recovery, ultimately leading to enhanced running performance, which is what we're all aiming for. Uh, many symptoms experienced post-exercise, so for example, DOMS and fatigue, are a natural part of the recovery process and are, as a result, important contributors contributors to that training adaptation. Therefore, it's important to have the sufficient recovery um, to ensure that these reactions are allowed to occur and then the body reset. Now, there are two recognized approaches to recovery. There's active recovery and passive recovery, both of which would be important to include in a training program. And then finally, there are many different strategies, nutritional strategies that have been shown to support optimal recovery from training, including adequate protein intake, as well as adequate carbohydrate intake, probiotic supplementation as well. Just remember that the timing of protein and carbohydrate intake is also important for recovery as well as what you have and how much you have. And then finally, there are several lifestyle um, um, and training approaches that could also help enhance your recovery, including good sleep hygiene, regular massage, um, be it a, a relaxing one or a sports massage, um, regular cool down routines and also including stretching and or foam rolling and of course rest, having both passive and active rest um, would be uh, a, quite a priority I would say and that is it Aileen. Oh, well, thanks, Karen. I think uh, everybody's going to be um, much more informed and I'm definitely going to be including some of uh, the tips that you shared as in, in my recovery plan, uh, ready for, you know, whatever my next big event is. Um, so do let us know, uh, everyone, if you've got any additional recovery strategies that you include regularly and that you're willing to share, and we'll share those with uh, everyone on a future episode. Uh, remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster, and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening, and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. 
We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.